good evening traders welcome to our market outlook open house for april 24th 2022 before we get going I'd like to remind you the presentation is for educational purposes only we're not broker dealers or financial advisors and we're not making any specific trade recommendations also please be aware that your risk and trading options is substantial and please make sure you're aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades also note that if we talk about any trades on the end of results, consider them to be, to be hypothetical computer simulated trades. They would be believed to be as accurately represented as possible. Keep in mind that live results can vary from simulated results for many different reasons. So uh, welcome everybody. Uh, we didn't have any questions posted to the forum. So I'm just gonna jump right on in to talking about the market. So uh, since this is an open house, and we have some people here who may have not have been here the last four or five or six sessions. Uh, what I want to do is I want to go over a little bit of background in regard to the general condition of the technicals for trading the time frame that most of us trade, which is generally the, the 30 to 90 and sometimes you know down a 15-day time frame. Uh, so as we talk about this in the past, you may have heard me say that sometimes the technicals are very clean and quite predictable. And then there's other times when the technicals are, well, a mess where our support and resistance levels are quite sloppy and the market overruns the levels and then reverses uh, or sometimes doesn't even reach the level and reverses. So as far as the SPX goes, um, I'm just going to talk about the past a little bit. The technicals were fairly clean in the, um, in the SPX, and they were very predictable in virtually all time frames. That's the other thing. We start talking about technicals. We have technicals in different time frames. So um, for the last uh, year or, or almost two years, right, since spring of 2020, the technicals in the SPX, so they were very clean, they're very predictable in virtually all time frames. And that went until about this February, where the technicals in the daily and the hourly time frames turned quite sloppy. Uh, and as of right now, the weeklies and the monthlies are still pretty clean, but the, um, the dailies and the hourlies are sort of a mess. So um, as a subjective trader, <clears throat> you should realize that it's extremely important that you identify which type of technical market are you trading in? Are you trading in the uh, clean technical environment that's predictable, or are you trading in a sloppy technical, technical environment, which is less, much more random and much less technical? And when we talk about this, we wanna talk about this, especially in the hourly and day, daily timeframes, because those tend to be the ones we, we rely upon most when we're making adjustments in our trade entries and so forth. Um, but one of the reasons it's important is because when the technicals are clean, we can be very precise with our technical levels and we can take on really high uh, reward, low risk positions from a directional standpoint. And we can do that with an extremely high probability of the, uh, of the direction playing out in our favor. On the other hand, when the technicals are sloppy, we need to allow substantially more cushion in our decision points, meaning our risk reward at those decision points is much less favorable than it would be in the other environment. And the probabilities of being correct go down substantially, right? So in a clean technical environment, we might be saying something like, oh, well, we have a, um, you know, a 90% chance of the market you know, stopping it you know, when Russell's at a thousand and, and running the other way. And we could say that with a very high degree of conviction, where in the sloppy environment, we cannot say that, okay? Um, and if we do say that, we have to leave a give it a range. And then even, even then we still have to say, well, the probability of this happening is probably more like 60, 70% rather than 80, 90%. So this being the case, we need to apply our technical analysis differently. And we also need to trade the environments differently. And I like to use the analogy of driving down a windy road. So, you know, when the roads are clean and dry, a trained driver can go really fast down a windy road. 
and you know, or if, it, or if it's a racetrack, for example, you can rail the corners, you can drive with precision, you can point the car where you want it, and it goes. But at the same time, he knows that if he tries to drive that way when the roads are sloppy, he's probably going to crash. Now realize that, that an experienced driver, they can still drive pretty fast on a sloppy road, okay? But only if they drive differently, right? If you're on a sloppy road, you can't force the car to go anywhere with precision because if you do, you're just, the car's just going to go where it's wanted. You don't have any traction with the road, right? There's just not enough traction. So in order to drive fast under those conditions, he has to let the car stay loose. He has to let it slide around the corners. You know, an example would be, that when traction's good, the tires have a lot of friction with the ground. You're turning the steering wheel in the direction of the corner, right? So if you have really good traction and you come up to a corner, you turn the steering wheel uh, the direction of the corner and you're pretty much gonna keep it in that direction. Uh, but when the conditions are sloppy and you're driving down the same road, the ass end of the car, you, you, you turn into the corner, the ass end of the car's hanging out you know, you, and you've got the steering wheel turned in the opposite direction of the corner, right? So I'm taking a left turn and the steering wheel is actually turned to the right. So I take my left turn, right? It's the same type of thing with trading. And we need to be able to read what's going on in the technical environment uh, so that we can trade it differently and we can understand it and interpret it differently. All right, so that's extremely important. Um, anyway, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the fact that the technicals are sloppy and we cannot make highly probable calls on direction, at least, or very precise calls, um, at least not until the market gets to an extreme, right? Because when the market gets to an extreme, we, we talked about this, for example, the market gets down into the 14, um, the, four, the 4,100 area, you know, we're, we're looking at the market interacting with monthly levels and with weekly levels. And those are still fairly clean right now. We talked about the market coming up into here at uh, 48.30. Again, we're dealing with monthly technical levels and weekly technical levels, still pretty clean. Daily and hourly, um, still all over the place. So, so, um, so, so we've been kind of talking about that. Um, anyway, you know, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about the technicals are sloppy. We can't make highly probable calls on direction, at least not until the market gets to those extreme points like we were talking. But keep in mind that that doesn't mean we can't use the technicals and that they are not extremely useful. We just need to use them differently. And um, there's a little bit more nuance to it. And uh, it takes a little bit more experience. So, um, and maybe a little bit more being a little bit more active as well. So in these conditions, we want to pay particular attention to new information coming into the marketplace, not news necessarily, but new information as far as price action um, coming into the technicals. Okay, so taking a look here, <clears throat> what technicals am I referring to? All right, so uh, I see your question too, Alexander. We, uh, we are going to, I'll look at that when we start talking about applied volatility. Um, so technicals, I'm talking about your support and resistance levels, your price cycles, your, uh, in, in the varying time frames. okay? Um, you know, your trend lines, trend direction, all that type of stuff. We talk about technicals, you know, where, what's the price action doing basically? Okay, so, <clears throat> We take a look at this, if we talk about last week, okay? So last week with the SPX, my thought, and we were here by the way, right? So this is, let's see, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday. So this, we were basically here on this red candle right in here. So let's, uh, let's zoom in on that. We were on this red candle on Monday and my thought was, okay, we have an upper and lower range that the uh, sideways range that the market's in right now. So um, if you saw last open house, if you were at the last open house, for example, we, we talked about the Russell being in a split range, right? We have an upper sideways range and a lower sideways range. In the meantime, the SPX kind of did the same thing. It split into an upper sideways range and a lower sideways range um, with a very sloppy midpoint. 
but we talked about um, the SPX is trading in the lower half of our sideways range and that we believed that this area right here, uh, 44.70 was a very important technical point. Now that said, even if the market goes up, we're still in slop here, all the way up into uh, even this range now, uh, 46.30 really, uh, as far as slop goes. But this breakdown here on this pattern was actually fairly important. So our expectations with a breakdown in this pattern here is that the market go down to or the SPX here, go down to at least um, price pattern target is going to give us what about, about 4,300. So that would be like a minimal breakdown. But we broke down under that on a shorter term time frame. When we go back and we look out at our longer term time frames, realistically, we're underneath our important levels. We're underneath this level here, we're underneath this level here. That being the case, I have to be bearish in general direction on the SPX. Now, when I say bearish in general direction, um, I don't mean necessarily tomorrow that the market's gonna go down. I mean that over the next week, over the next couple of weeks, we should see a continuation down in the marketplace. The question becomes, um, and, and, and if I was in a precise technical situation, right, if, if, if the support and resistance level were really, were really crisp and clean and uh, identified in many different ways. So when we look at technicals, we're also looking at, we're looking at support and resistance levels. We, we look at moving averages, we're looking at Fibonacci levels. Now, all that stuff you have on different timeframes also, right? So when everything's lining up, then we can be very precise about direction maybe tomorrow, for example. We get to certain points. I can tell you very precisely direction tomorrow. When the technicals are like this, you cannot really say that with much precision. So the, so the question becomes is when do we, um, when do we switch opinion to say, oh, I'm not bearish anymore because what happened the very next day is, well, we, we, we stayed pretty much stable here the following day, but the next day we had what appeared to be a really large up move. In fact, it was a larger daily range than what we've been putting in here. So some people may have gotten a little jumpy with that, maybe adjusted ahead of time. <clears throat> but one of the things you should realize Again, it's, it's this changes a little bit if you're changing if you're trading a smaller time frame. If you're trading a 10-day trade, a five-day trade, a one-day trade, or whatever, you should be looking at smaller time frames. You should be looking at the hourlies, for example. And we're actually going to take a look at the hourlies. Um, if you're trading, if you're 15, 30 days, you should, 90, anything longer than that, then you can come into the dailies. Um, anyway, here this big up move spooks some people into thinking that, oh, well, now the market's going up. But that's just what we call short-term drama, right? So we have this short-term drama that plays out with these large price moves during the day. But the question has to get back to, does this change my the basis of my opinion that I started with? And the answer is no. Why am I bearish on this day? I'm bearish on this day because we broke down under these, this level and we're still under that level. So we get an up move. That doesn't mean anything. Now, if we, if we start breaking up into here, like this day here, which we'll talk about in a minute on Thursday, <clears throat> that can change our mind. That would be in the context of, oh, that I, I didn't have this big resistance point up here. So the reality is in this particular case, because of the resistance that we have all up in here, this really big sloppy resistance zone, the reality is the market can really shift anywhere. But um, you know, I see the, the important points that we pointed out here weeks ago here at 45.25 and 44.70-ish. <clears throat> but that doesn't change our opinion. This move on Wednesday doesn't change our opinion. This move on Thursday after the close certainly doesn't change our opinion, okay? But one of the things I wanna do is I wanna take a look at this on the hourly 
and just look at this in a bit of a different context. All the charts on different time frames are going to play out in the same way. Okay. So if these were if this was a daily chart, so we'll just pretend this is a daily chart. Okay, we have our support down here at 43.70. We have our resistance up here at 44.70. It's a hundred point range. And we came up here and we had what seemed to be a clear breakout. So if I'm on a daily time frame and I don't have this resistance area up in here, my thought is that, oh, we've had a market breakout. My opinion, if it was bearish here, has now switched to bullish. Okay. Next candle comes in, it goes down. That's not a big deal. That has not changed my opinion. My breakout still holds. We'll call my breakout 44.70. We'll call that the 44.70 point. My breakout still holds. That's not a problem. Uh, I'm still bullish. This candle comes in here. I have to question that bullishness, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, I wouldn't switch. In this case, I wouldn't necessarily switch to bearish yet because really my technical breakout points probably down here at 44.50 when we take a look at this pattern. So um, arguably we're at like 44.49, 44.50. So that's probably okay. This candle here is probably okay. I can still, I can still hold a, I still can arguably hold a bullish posture. This candle here is, I'm done. This candle here, I have to flip from bullish to bearish. Do I flip to slightly bearish or do I switch or, or do I get very bearish? I, I have to be almost very bearish. Usually when we get a breakout that fails, normally it's gonna penetrate the low of the pattern that it broke out of. It won't all the time, but my expectation would be a fairly rapid move down to support, which would be down to here at, well, in this case, um, 43.72. So that's basically how that would go if this was a daily time frame and I'm doing stuff once a day. Now, if I'm look at this as a one hourly chart again, let's say, let's just throw out a scenario here because I know this happened because we, we had adjustment points here. Let's say that we're going along here and we're in an M3.4U and you know we usually check it once a day. That's normally what we do. We don't really have any, uh, you know, if you're trading it non-subjectively, you're trading non-subjectively, but I'm trading it subjectively. I'm kind of checking it once a day because that's generally what I do. And we don't have a real clean idea on the technicals. And so we're just kind of following our guidelines. Um, I get to say here, I hit an upside adjustment trigger. I'm biased to the downside at this point. I mean, I was, I was kind of biased to the downside here. But I'm, I'm still biased to the downside here at this point. But it, the probabilities right now are real pretty low. It's like 65, 70%. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the guidelines move, assuming the guidelines move doesn't do something like put me at the top of my positive delta range. So if if I if if I'm too negative delta and the guidelines move puts me to, you know, say I'm in a 10 lot. Um, my negative delta limit is what, three or um, 15, right, Chris? <laughs> um, right, so just say, just say it's 15. So I I take that adjustment and it puts me to positive 18. I'm not gonna take that adjustment because that adjustment puts me way too positive delta for the probability bias that the market's probably gonna come down. I'd want to I'd want to moderate that adjustment a little bit. I'd want to take that adjustment, and and um, you know we cut it back to maybe zero or cut it back to maybe slightly negative. Okay, uh, I I wouldn't want that. So I'd want to moderate that because of the conditions here. Now, let's say I did take the adjustment and it put me at I don't know positive fifteen and my limits positive twenty. Um, when do I when do I jump in and make maybe an adjustment that is 
uh, intraday, because we talk about this. Generally, for people who don't know technical analysis, I recommend they, they make an adjustment once a day at the end of the day. And the reason for that is because they don't have enough experience and knowledge to make an intelligent decision on when to make that adjustment, nor when to, what's more importantly, back out of the adjustment. So we just say, just check once a day. They're going to be better off, right? Because half the, you know, 70% of the time they'll be okay, 30% of the time they're going to, or 60% of the time they'll be okay, 40% of the time they wish they did something else. But overall, you work out better that way. But if we understand the marketplace and we understand what we're doing here, then, you know, we can switch into the hourlies here. And you can clearly, now I don't know where you would have switched bullish exactly. It depends, right? So technical analysis is a little bit subjective based on the trader who's looking at it. So some people might take this point. I'll just take some various points that people might see. Okay, so this low here could be, could be used as a breakout point. Some people might use uh, a diagonal here. And when we're looking at technical analysis, we're looking for a preponderance of the evidence, so to speak. Okay, so some people may have called the breakout here. Some people may have called the breakout here. Some people see this as a resistance zone here. Um, in other words, a window from a basic charting standpoint, which this is a window, a gap. Uh, the whole gap, the whole area is a resistance point. So you could say resistance is all the way here and the breakout didn't happen till here. Regardless, it doesn't matter. We clearly broke above it. Let me take out some of these. We clearly broke above the area, okay? And then we clearly broke back under the area. So when we clearly back break, break back under the area, now say I made an adjustment and I was very positive delta or neutral delta here, and I was kind of questioning it and, uh, and so forth. This breakdown, particularly this candle right here, which is what about, uh, what is it, uh, 130, particularly this candle here, we broke this low, is telling me that I was wrong on upward direction and the pullback here is likely to go at least to these lows. This is the area I'd want to back out. Now, again, depending on where I called the area, I may back out here at the end of this candle when this closed. I want to back out and, and go favor being a little bit negative at that point for the rest of the ride down, at least until here, in which case we never even got a chance to think about being bullish there. We just broke down right underneath it. Okay, so that is how that would play out. So if I adjust it up here, I'm adjusting back down here. I don't, you know, as a guidelines only trader, these guys are, they don't have the knowledge. So, so they're going to have to basically wait it out. So they're gonna adjust up because it told them to adjust up at the edge of, of the, uh, at, at the high point, because it hit their adjustment rules. And then they're gonna wait to adjust back down again until they get positive 20 Delta, if that's their trade limit. As a pro trader, we're not doing that. We're seeing this breakdown. We're seeing it happening. We're reacting to it and we're gonna do it. Now, at the same time when we do that, we also want to be very aware of what constitutes the market reversing and coming back up again. So if I'm a pro trader, I'm in here and I get, you know, so let's say I, I back out on this candle and you know, I wouldn't go super bearish, but I would be leaning bearish at this point. Uh, let's say I'm leaning bearish and then the market decides it wants to uh, turn around again. Again, if I make that bearish call, I'm not waiting all the time, all the way until I have a problem again to the upside. I'm going to be a little bit faster with that. Um, and what I would be doing, you know, I'm pretending this is a daily time frame, but what I would, uh, if I'm pretending this is a, uh, okay. Let's let's say that, let's take this as an hourly time frame, um, as it is, because we are talking hourly. I just want to, I want to, I'm just trying to think, trying to be clear on, on this. Um, we were actually seeing this as an hourly, right? So we 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 broke out, 
we had enough adjustment. We broke down. We're intraday. This happened. We flipped bearish. If by the end of the day, the market's back up in here again, we're bullish again. So we have to flip back out of it again. And yes, this would mean that during this particular day, we flipped, we were bullish, we flipped bearish, and we had to flip bullish again. But that is the essence of technical analysis. It's, it's, we change our mind very quickly based on what's happening in the marketplace. Now, I wouldn't um, get upset about that, right? That's normal. That doesn't happen very often. Most of the time, you know, we get this breakdown, it's going to continue like it did here. But there are times when we adjust up, it tells us that, oh, it looks like this is going to fail. I adjust down and then uh, it, it reverses back up and it closes the day back up here. I have to back, adjust up again. Um, if that were to happen too, by the way, and we were to close right back at this point, then I'm going to be generally neutral here because I don't really know where the market's going at this point. Right. If I broke higher, then I do know where the market's going. If I broke higher, then that's clearly bullish and I'm going to maintain uh, maybe a little bit more of a bullish posture at that point. But these are the ways that we're, we're analyzing new information coming in the marketplace and we're making real-time decisions. Again, if I'm far away from the adjustment range of my trade, I'm not going to worry about it at all. I'm talking about the conditions that we've kind of been hitting lately a little bit in some of the timeframes that we're trading where we're hitting upside adjustments, then we're hitting downside adjustments, then we're hitting upside adjustments, then we're getting downside adjustments. For our beginners, we talk about three strikes and you're out, you're up, down, up, or down, up, down. And basically, that's telling you that your position's too narrow for the range that the market's trading. You need, realistically, I generally tend, would tend to tell somebody uh, to take that as positional feedback and exit the trade and go into something that has a longer time frame in it where the adjustment points are widened out a little bit or go into something that has maybe a little bit less gamma uh, or wider adjustment points so you don't hit that back and forth because if you keep hitting back and forth, you're gonna end up uh, taking a loss from that perspective um, that'll knock you out of the trade eventually. So if you notice the market's doing that to you and that's again, noticing stuff positionally. The, um, And uh, yeah, so, so that would be another reason to, to knock out. But again, that would be for somebody maybe who's, who's not as on top of the marketing. For us here, if we know that it's doing, it's doing it to us and we know we're in that type of a market and we're aware of where our support and resistance are, I can hang a little bit extra negative delta up in here if the probability is going down. I can hang a little bit extra um, positive delta here if the probability is going up and that type of thing. Okay, I think this, there was just a lot of, little lessons we kind of talk about on how to deal with that positionally. So um, now let's just jump into uh, some regular stuff here. So we had this, we were bearish here. We had a bit of a bounce. From a daily perspective, we never really had a reason to go bullish. Even if we did, it would be only moderately bullish, definitely uh, only into this trend line here would be as high as I would expect the market to go before it probably came back with a higher probability, like 75% or so. Um, then we had this breakdown here of this level. Now, this level here is important. I had it, I had it marked out as this cup. Okay, so look at, we have a cup here. We have this, this big, we call it double bottom, but it really it's a complex cup pattern. We had the breakout on this day. We had a breakout failure. What is a breakout failure? A breakout failure is very bearish. So we would expect to at least come down and test our level here, probably penetrate to the downside, probably penetrate to the downside. Usually you get a breakout failure. Usually you'll penetrate to the downside. And then if that fails, usually you penetrate the upside again, right? And what you'll get is an increasing volatility from a pattern standpoint that's called a broadening pattern that tends to be bearish and it tends to indicate, uh, and usually when they break, they break pretty strongly, okay? Um, it's just increasing volatility in both directions. Um, anyway, that's what tends to happen. We, we broke out this side, we had a failure. Our expectation was to come down to here uh, you can see we tried to bounce that 
but failed. Not too surprising. Our next support point is going to be this swing high, which is this cup. Right? So this, this was another cut pattern that took off to the upside. And if you measure that cut pattern too, by the way, this is the re, this is the price pattern target for that cut pattern. So that played out quite well. Uh, but this um, this here is an important level, and the breakdown of this level is bearish, and implies that we're likely to see down in here again. Uh, the 4160 to 4100 area. Uh, again, we don't necessarily, that doesn't mean we're going to go straight there. We might get a bounce. Matter of fact, we could get a horrendous update tomorrow. We could get an update that is, you know, all the way up to, uh, takes back almost this whole candle. Still bearish. Expectation is when we get, if we get up to here, that the market's going to continue down. If we only take half the candle to the upside, that's actually very bearish, okay? Um, only take half the candle and start came, coming down and break the slow. That's, that's very bearish to the downside. So we maintain our bearish posture here, really all the way up to this point at 43.90, we break over that, then um, we can start to push bullish again in, that, that in the shorter term timeframes, but the reality our longer term timeframes, which are more powerful, Right, which are more powerful, start to come into play. This trend line, I think, going forward should be fairly important. And um, of course, if we clear this high, if we clear this trend line, we're going to be looking for a reversal. Our normal patterns to look for a reversal to the upside. Um, yeah, the second diagonal as well. So um, yeah, there's another diagonal here, in here too. Actually, you should be on right now. This should be, you should be, you should have this, um, this laid out for a potential reversal on this to the upside. You wanna, uh, you'll wanna have that in play here. And uh, when, when the market was going up, by the way, we came in, we made a swing low, we bounced it. You should have also had this, and this is going to be an important level here for a breakdown. One of the reasons the breakdown was so hard on Friday, well, first of all, on Thursday is because on our shorter term charts, we broke out into a level that should have continued to go up. The traders were disappointed by the end of the day twice. And we got a hard move down to close to support. This is also an area, like I said, the traders are, are looking to hold. And we had the gap down with the news here on Friday. It was all over. Okay, it's all over. And um, you know, we get the continuation down into here. And again, we might try to hold these lows here on the way down. And the technicals aren't acting exact anyway. But if we do happen to get down into this range here, then you know, we're into the weekly levels. And to me, uh, I'd be willing to go bullish off of that level, take a bullish shot off of that level for sure. Right here, we really we're most likely to come down. Short-term direction, you really don't know. It might bounce and then come down or come down. Uh, or come straight, you know, more straight down. We'll have to wait and see. But um, for the most part, the down moves in general, though, you look at them, they're pretty consistent. This down move was pretty consistent, except for what, a two day bounce. And then it went down. This move was pretty consistent. This down move was kind of sloppy, though. Uh, but this one's a little bit more powerful. So chances are we'll probably see down this level. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this level this week, uh, unless we get a bounce early then it may take till next week. But my thoughts are that we're still bearish here for the short term, at least down into these levels here. And, you know, news comes into the marketplace. As, as, as more news comes in, we, um, we, we deal with it, okay? Um, all right, so question. If you were looking Super Bowl at 14, 14, 14 how many days would you like? It depends on how much risk you want to take on the breakdown. So again, we're always concerned about our risk on the breakdown. And um, keeping in mind, right? So I'd analyze, you put on an analyze graph. So, you, so the market's down here at 14, 14. I want to do a Super Bowl. Um, you have to decide where you're, going to, where you're going to decide you're wrong. You know, in here, you know, 
there's not much from a support level here dealing with. We have a bit of a support zone that's potentially in here. Other than that, we're looking at any kind of major breakdown. We're, pro we're probably looking at testing the, um, the COVID cup, which is about 3,500. So um, what's the breakdown of that going to look like? Chances are with the way the, the SPX is moving, it's probably going to be 100 points, right? So when we break down, it'll probably be 100, 100, 100, 140 points. We got a breakdown. So you want to consider um, the breakdown. So say you can say, well, we close. What's the low of this candle? You can say, well, we close at um, under four, under, you got 41.14. We close under 4,000. I, I, I'm out of the Super Bowl. So you, you want to take a look at what your, what your down move is going to draw down. And then you want to also have an idea of what your upside is on it. So, right, so um, you want to come here and you want to say, well, if this bounces here, chances are we're going at least to here, which is going to be, what is that? Almost 300 points. And then when you get the bounce, sometimes these are dead cat bounces. So you're going to monitor that bounce to make sure that it doesn't put in a reversal signal back to the downside. So the market's going to bounce like it did here, for example, right? So you know, we hit, we bounced here on our, your short-term charts. Your, um, you're, you're monitoring this. Where should this bounce have gone? First of all, this bounce should have gone to here. If the market was bullish at all. The market should have, it really should have bounced to here. You can see that it turned early, but once it started to turn here, and it set in this low, you would have had, um, you should have had some sort of a, of a trend line in place. And now we're looking for the breakdown of that. And also we set in a double bottom pattern here. So this breakdown here is gonna kick you out of, right? We should have a ladder stop in our bull, bull, Super Bowl. So this candle here is actually gonna kick you out of the Super Bowl and say, oh, I, I was, um, it looks like this is going to fail. I'm not going to take this trade. I'm going to take this trade off at a small profit and I'm going to wait for another opportunity to, to hit it again because we got that failure. Um, if I'm backing out and, you know, I'm doing this one here. My expectation is that we're going to come up to here. Okay. Which we did. Okay. We walked right up into here because again, well, first of all, my expectation number one is I come to this high. Then I would expect the market, it would be normal for the market to back off a little bit and then break higher. It didn't even slow down, kept going. Fine. That's not a problem for me, right? So I'm in a Super Bowl, no problem, no problem. Now my stop is if we break this level at uh, 43.93. We break that, I'm out. Market continues to go up. This isn't a big deal. I'm looking at 43.93. And I can't really put in a trend line yet because I haven't even really had a down day. I could kind of put one in here if I wanted to, but realistically, that's still too steep. But I can use horizontals. My next horizontal point is um, basically here, right? Right up in here. We broke that out. Uh, we came back down. That may have stopped you out. It may not have stopped you out. You might want to look for something a little bit more um, definite. If it didn't stop you out, we continued up. If you come up into here, we had a clean breakout of this primary cut pattern. At that point, we should never see anything under about 45.50. So we had this breakout. My ladder stop would be moved up into this range. This day really shouldn't have kicked you out. Your stop shouldn't be that tight is what I'm saying. Um, that shouldn't have kicked you out, but this is a clear, uh, a clear stop out for that trade to just knock yourself out. Now that said, had you stayed in, you'd still be doing okay, right? Because you're all the way back down into here. It's just your most your pro, half your profits be gone at that point. But you can. But my point being is, you monitor the uptrend of the market. And you can see where it starts to fail, and where it starts to fail, you you either reduce your position size down, or you just knock yourself out of the trade and wait for your next opportunity. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, agreed. Um, ag agreed. Likely scenario would be an initial bounce at 41.14, but not sure it will hold when we break and go, uh, and then break and go lower. Well, we never know that for sure. Okay, the probability though, with the way the market is, is that if we hit that level, the chances are you're gonna get a lot of traders buying there and you're probably gonna get a decent sized bounce. Uh, like I said, I think months ago, you're not gonna very, you're not likely to see all time highs in the indexes for quite some time um, going forward. And if you do, it's only gonna be a very minor um, breakout failure type of thing. So, um, but that's just where we're gonna be in now. We're just gonna be in this sideways market for a while is my, is my thought. And like I said, it's, it's, I think it's pretty likely that we're gonna hold down in this range. We'll see how that goes, but, um, but yeah, that's the way you play it basically, okay? So anyway, that's what's going on here. The other indexes, uh, I gotta be quick here because we're running really late. The other indexes, NDX, NDX never gave us, I was bearish on NDX too, because last week we were below this cup level, right? So this, we see this as an important level right here in the NDX 14.3 that had broken down. We got a, the big bounce in the NDX too, but it never came up even really even threatened um, breaking back up into range and going bullish here. So the, even though the SPX was a, little, was a little questionable for a day or two, the, if, you're, if you're doing your cross index analysis, the NDX never went, gave us a bullish signal at all. So the, the NDX remains bearish. And um, here we still remain bearish down into this zone here, which is our primary support zone. So again, we could get some bounces off of this, but ultimately over the next week, or maybe a little bit longer if we bounce first, but we should be seeing down here at uh, around 12.9, where I would probably be uh, willing to put on a little bit of risk to the downside. Um, one of the more telling indexes is, is the Dow. We had a nice clean breakout of a downtrend line here on Wednesday, which is bullish. We had a failure of that trend line on um, Thursday which is very bearish. And we came back down and we broke down to the low because we often get a, an aggressive down move off of that. And then we did. Uh, so far, we've actually held uh, this trend line here, which again, in a longer term time frame, could be bullish if we bounce that trend line. But uh, chances are that's probably going to break down and we're probably going to end up bringing the Dow a little bit further into this zone also. And uh, as far as the Russell, we were watching this trend line as a support area, but once the SPX broke support, that's over, right? So if you look at if you look at where the SPX is positionally compared to the Russell, compared to its support point, you can kind of play that out. Also pointing out too, we had downtrend line in the Russell. We broke it Wednesday. It failed on Thursday. Again, very bearish uh, from a horizontal standpoint. We had this horizontal in our short-term uh, hourlies. Okay, you can say this here is our resistance level. You can see we had a clean breakout here from a diagonal and a horizontal on this day here, which is, I guess, Wednesday. We should not see this level again. It should be, you know, a pullback should hold that level. It did not here uh, by Thursday morning at 10, uh, 11.30, you could see it breaking down. And certainly by the end of the day, you can see it had broken down. Again, that's a breakout failure, implying that this bottom trend line is not likely to hold. And we did break down off of that. So again, that's not too surprising. And comparing that, what's going on with SPX, which is the two I like to primarily compare. Again, you could see the you can see that the, the, all the breakouts failed a couple times. And then um, we broke support. Was it a day early on Russell? Was it Friday on Russell too? Yeah, we broke support. And this is what I mean by companion support level. Our companion support level, we were talking about this with the SPX for the Russell, I determined was here. In other words, SPX breaks support, Russell breaks this line also. 
um, they should be breaking them at the same time. So technically, this is actually acting correct from a cross-index analysis standpoint. We, we broke support both the same days uh, in there. And then, of course, our next support level here is going to be down here at around 41.50 or so. And then in Russell, if you're doing companion areas, our support level is going to draw in somewhere around uh, 19, 1900 for that. So that's how those should play out. So that is basically all the indexes. That's my thoughts on uh, where the market move is going to go. The only, um, I, would, I would get bullish down at these levels in the indexes. And um, I would not, I'd be careful where I get bearish. Uh, I guess if we bounce, you could take a bearish shot here, but it's a, low it's a lower probability bearish shot. Uh, in other words, if the Russell comes down here and then bounces into this trend line, or if it, or, or even if it just bounces into that trend line, then you could you could take a bearish shot there. So it's not a terribly it's not a real high probability one. And you know, same thing with SPX. And we bounce up into here. Uh, I would tend to be more bearish than bullish. Although we might come in and play with these two trend line uh, connections in here too. We might, in other words, we may come back into the blue area, but. Um, I would tend to get bearish up in there, uh, considering it fairly low probability. Here, I would consider a high probability bet. And that's what we have there. So let's talk about uh, just the implied volatility in the market for a minute. Uh, okay, so actually I have a, a comment first. I have added some bearish rut butterfly 50 points wide with 20, 30. Uh, yeah, let's go to the, the Russell. With 20, 30 central strikes, when rut is around 20, 50. Okay, so, okay, so you have butterflies on at 20, 30, basically. And we're at 1940, we're 100 points underneath. Yeah, so I mean, I'm assuming you're one third scaled in. I mean, you kind of have to play guidelines for a little bit. And, you know, we just roll it back to flat delta. And then we get back into this range here. I'd start treating it as an M3.4U trade rather than a bearish butterfly trade because the bounce is probably going to take you out to the upside when it happens if you maintain bearish butterfly posture. So you're looking at a conversion with a wish um, with a bullish sentiment. So again, we get down to this range here and you roll back, you roll back, you roll back, keep relatively neutral, get the bounce, convert into M3.4U or V32 configuration for the bounce, at least until we get up into this range up in here. So uh, that's basically how I would tend to handle that trade. Uh, I would assume you're probably up money on it, but maybe not. But that's uh, actually, if you're still at 2030, you might be, you might be, uh, you might be down to the downside. But yeah, you know, the guidelines, the new bearish butterfly guidelines will handle the downside. Okay, they should be handling the downside. Okay, uh, again, you you go positive delta at all at one third of the position, you're rolling back to flat or slightly negative. Go down the next day, you roll back flat or slightly negative. Um, you get down into this range here. I'd want to go M3.4 you and aggressively trade out of it to the upside. So that is, um, that's, that's, that's the play on that basically. Okay. And, oh, and it, it's profitable. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and again, and, and, and if you make that play, by the way, too, say you roll back all the way to here and you, and then you get a bounce and you convert into M3.4U configuration, you should be able to withstand the retest of the bottom uh, okay, but if we break down from there, you're out. That's the end of the trade. It's over, right? You've had the bearish butterfly. You've made the conversion where it should have bounced. It, it where it should have bounced. It bounced. You made the conversion. It should have held that level. You broke the level of the downside. You're you're out. The trade's over. Okay, it's 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 not. You know, it's it's you're in a downtrending market, and you don't know where the bounce is going to be. That's when you when you get out, you reevaluate. Okay. Um, all right. So. Um, just talk general implied volatility for a moment. Uh, looking at a week ago, this one we're going to ignore because that's expired. That was four days to expiration last week. So we're going to look at this one here that was 32 days to expiration. 
we that's going to be this time frame. We're four percent into contango. We're twenty five percent implied volatility, um, and four percent into contango. Those are the two numbers we're looking at, right? Here we go to last week. We're at twenty seven percent, almost twenty eight percent implied volatility. So we had a four point jump in implied volatility. It over a five day period or a seven day period, implied volatility should have dropped. It went up. Not a surprise, the market's going down, okay? Um, so the applied volatility goes up. The contango went from 4% to basically 1%. Again, not surprising if the market's going down. That's relatively normal for a down move, okay? Uh, the market's not, what you're seeing here is the market is not panicking from the breakdown. Implied volatility goes up as it normally does, but there's no there's not no panic. We're not in backwardation in the marketplace. Now we do have some uh, concerns here, three and six months out, but and seven months uh, and uh, yeah and nine and seven and eight, six seven months out here you have concern. For some reason, there's not as much concern uh, in this time frame. But um, my point being, this is not really a panic situation in the marketplace. A panic situation from that support break would have gone into backwardation clearly and a lot more strongly than that. So, you know, how do I read that? I'm just basically saying that, well, uh, yeah, this is kind of normal. They're not panicked. The breakdown, even though it was very fast, they're kind of it's, it, it doesn't seem like it's outside of expectations of the implied volatility market. And when the implied volatility market thinks things are under control, I'm going to tend to be a little bit more um, strong or high with my probabilities that if we do come down into this range, if implied unless implied volatility flips into something crazy, if we come down into this range and implied volatility is maybe slightly in backwardation or or maybe flat or goes or even goes or or especially if it goes more back into contango, uh, then I'm definitely expecting some sort of a bounce in that range. Okay, so that's basically how I would read that. So questions from the beginning is how do I monitor implied volatility skew changes, horizontal and vertical in options when the market dynamics change? Um, the implied volatility skew curves are telling us where people are buying options and where they're not. So your base, let me product depth, go to SPX. I had to reset my stuff here, so. I'm gonna go out of the money. I'm gonna go into on demand here. I'm gonna go to February. I'm sorry. Go to 22nd, which was our last trading day. And I'm gonna go to 35. I'll come in here, take these off, and look at May. April's over, practically over. Uh, May and June. Actually, let's just, yeah, okay, let's do that. So your implied volatility skew curve gives you an indication of where the um, where the interest in the options are. So when you're concerned, usually when they're cons when traders, or the institutions, they're primarily long in the marketplace. When the market goes down, they start buying puts on the SPX usually or, or one of the other indexes. And that's going to take this implied volatility skew curve and it's going to give it a lump um, back in here. Okay, and, and, that's, and that's going to be the frowning of the implied volatility skew curve. So you can see, and it, again, it's, it's hard to pick out with any accuracy looking at a line. You'd probably have better luck if you put it on an Excel spreadsheet and you did the math between the implied volatility from option to option and see how much it's changing from option to option. You could probably see that more, um, more realistically. But here you can, you, can, you can obviously see that we're, we're curved 
like frown shaped in through here and then it gets kind of smiley way back here where it doesn't really matter anymore because the asset because it's so darn far away from the market nobody thinks anything's going to happen there so you get pressure in the dynamics here um, when there's a threat to the downside if the market was in the backwardation it would probably be even more but we've we've basically had this for quite some time now almost since covid we've had this dynamic playing out in the marketplace which is why why butterflies are so inexpensive by the way historically you know if you go back and you look at our um, our butterfly pricing in 2017 and we're entering at $12 you, know, you look at it 2022 we're entering at $5 for the same butterfly the same dynamics so that's part of the reason for that it's not necessarily because the implied volatility is higher as a matter of fact i'm not even sure it is higher uh, or that much higher but the skew curve is more important in other words what are you how much time premiums in your long options versus your short options and that's going to basically determine the cost it's also going to determine your t plus zero line profile configuration uh, in the marketplace and you can see a lot of times too, you can see the implied volatility skew curves better in on your option at Explorer software when you analyze the butterfly by based on the, the, the uh, for me, it's easier to see the profile or the shape of my T plus zero line. Everybody's different, right? But it, it's easier for me to see the shape of my T plus zero line and, and, and determine what the implied volatility is doing than looking at this chart and deciding what the implied volatility is doing. But that again, that's that's for me. That's for me personally. Uh, and the question is, uh, so my, my point being is, I don't really monitor these changes that much. I understand what they mean, uh, but I monitor them in context to what the market's doing. And I've talked to this uh, about this in the past. So if you if you watch them regularly, anything you anything you watch regularly. Again, I don't necessarily watch these so regularly. But anything that you watch regularly as a trader, you're going to notice patterns in. And if you're paying attention, you'll notice patterns on, on the level of implied volatility, the implied volatility, the horizontal skew from month to, from cycle to cycle. And you'll notice patterns in your vertical skew from strike to strike. And what will happen is, you know, hey, the market broke a support level. And you know, say in the past, the market broker support level and the market had an extreme breakdown. You want to go back and you can go back in here in, in your, in your uh, on-demand and you can take a look at what the implied volatility skew curves did and how they changed with that breakdown versus an, another breakdown where the market broke down and then reversed to the upside. So, you know, a good example of this would be Brexit. So we got to, we got to, uh, a support break coming into Brexit, but we got an implied volatility skew curves that went more into a smile and didn't go, and, and the, implied, the implied volatility went up with the break. Don't get me wrong, but the implied volatility skew curves went more into a smile. Meaning that when you take a look at your positions, if you, how that translates into a positions, if you're in a broken wing butterfly or an M3 or something like that, um, what you'll see is the market went down. You should have been down a certain amount of money, but you weren't down anywhere near that much money. That tells you something. So it's knowing what the implied volatility should do with certain market movements and then whether it did it or not. And, and, and that can, can, can tell us something. In the case of Brexit, it told us basically that the, the market major players in the market were just playing the retail traders with the news event. Same thing they did for the election, by the way, in 2016. So um, that's one of the ways you interpret them. So you don't really interpret them in isolation. You interpret them based on what the price action of the market's doing to see if they make sense, to get an idea of what the institutional traders are doing. You can tell where they're hedging and when they're not hedging and how strongly they're hedging against, um, you know, against a down move, which tells you how uncertain they are and whether they're panicking or not, or whether they're just kind of, you know, whether they think it's a normal move. And that's kind of how we play uh, or, we, or we analyze implied volatility skew curves. We, we, we do that in that context. So hopefully that makes sense to you. Um, and that's the way I look at them.
Okay. And we've been at this for an hour. So, and I think that's all the questions. So I'm going to close this up. Thank you everybody for being on today. And if you're considering the market outlook, I hope you uh, got a good chance to check out what we do here. All right. Trade well, everybody. And we'll see you on the go meeting tomorrow. Trade well.